And so if people want to similarly like feel this freedom um, where they can do basically whatever they want, I think the precursor to that is just having really kick-ass skills um, that allow you to create things or allow you to be hired. Hey friend, it's David Dubinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Steph Smith and Calvin Rosser, also known as Cal. Um, They host a podcast together called The Shit You Don't Learn in School. Um, Steph is an author, blogger, project builder, and she leads Trends, a product of The Hustle. Um, The Hustle was recently acquired by HubSpot. Um, You may remember Steph from episode 93 uh, in February 2020. Um, Cal works on multiple different projects as well um, and has been creating a lot of content and other things on his own. And in this episode, we talk about uh, why you don't need to quit your job to work on projects and build your own work, kind of challenging historical narratives about nine to five jobs and thinking about what types of jobs to work on and what else we can work on uh, while we're working remotely more and more these days. And speaking of narratives uh, and challenging them, we also challenge the corporate ladder narrative and story. And we also talk about anti-fragility and the benefits of being able to create and sell products and more. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Steph and Cal. I think we all, maybe three, might kind of agree that like the corporate ladder doesn't really, or climbing the corporate ladder doesn't really isn't this something that we're excited about? Um, I, I think I love hearing about how you guys have been talking about like this idea of like the tree and, you know, maybe, you know, go off on a branch and, and et cetera. But we'd be curious to hear your kind of take on the tree versus the ladder approach and how you might be thinking about it today. Uh, Cal, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. So I got my start in my career as an investment banker in New York City. And my main goal was become like financially stable after college. And I thought I wanted to be some big, bad businessman. And that seemed like a great place to start. And I think quickly what I realized is just at least for me, like hierarchy uh, didn't really work. It didn't make sense to me that, you know, your ideas were less valuable because you weren't some title. And then also just having to stay in the office wasn't something that really aligned with um, you know, leading to like a satisfying life for myself. And I ended up getting into a remote job and uh, joining like a growth marketing team. And I would say I'm a growth marketer by trade, but I also write and a podcast and I do many other things, but the leap into say the more tree approach was actually kind of accidental. I, when I went remote, I started traveling the world. I started reading kind of voraciously. And I just discovered that I had so many more interests than I ever realized when I was in college or when I was a banker. And it was just this like, opening that I'm very grateful that I had, but was mostly accidental. And since then, I'm just like, hey, follow your curiosity. And that will kind of lead to uh, some sort of path that's both fulfilling and that you can make enough money to pay the bills with. Yeah, I think I had a similar experience as Cal where I have had so many job titles these days and probably half of them I didn't even know existed before I went into them, where I I actually have been running these scholarships. Cal also runs scholarships these days. And I Uh, see these young people applying to scholarships and I'll create a scholarship around writing, for example. And so many of the people who apply to those scholarships think of writing as 
like poetry or writing essays. And, and that's a great example of how what you're taught in school is very constrained. And then once you get into the real world, you're like, oh, you can become like a digital writer. Or there's things like SEO. Or I just think that when you're in school, you view this ladder. And, and in addition to that, there's only a couple different ladders that you're aware of. And then once you get started, it really is more like a tree because think about how many branches there are on a tree and how intricate some of those branches get where you're just like, wow, I, I literally did not know this existed. And so I think it, I had a similar experience where I didn't necessarily pursue the tree, but once I started realizing that I had all these interests and, and things that I, I naturally gravitated towards and that I didn't naturally gravitate towards this like multi-decade journey up a specific ladder, then it, it became super clear that like, oh, I can actually just go pursue all these different things. And if you imagine a tree, you can also jump between, like imagine you're a monkey, you can like start going up one branch and then you can actually like literally jump to another, which that approach or that imagery like doesn't really exist with the ladder. You just like keep going up and there's, it's either you go up or you go down. um, And I think that's just like a really limited view. So I think that's something I've learned over time just by almost like experimenting in my career. Yeah, uh, I love the idea of like, you can't, can't be what you can't see. Um, and so, you know, exposure or just, uh, to things, how powerful that can be, even if it's just like the smallest type thing. And maybe that's like, you know, jumping into a Slack room or jumping into, you know, a cohort based course, or just these different things just to get like exposure and be like, wait, what? Like, I didn't know even though it was possible. And also kind of similar to that, uh, Steph is like, I think you've been a very, um, active, uh, inspiration to a lot of people on like, you don't need to quit your job to, make a podcast, uh, write a book, et cetera. And I think that's another like lifestyle design choice that not many people, or I wasn't as familiar with. And I think that's like, you're still like way ahead of the curve in a good way. Um, you maybe want to talk to that a little bit more about like why you might not need to like quit your job to, to make, I think it's the viral blog post uh, title. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I did get some lashback on that blog post, but I think the idea is pretty straightforward that you don't need to go all in on one thing and you can be multidimensional. And that doesn't just mean multidimensional in your hobbies, but yeah, like your literal job, you can do one thing full-time or part-time, and then you can do many other things on the side, like both Cal and I do. And I think one of the reasons that a lot of people don't do this is maybe they believe they don't have enough time, but also just because we're mimetic, we see like all these stories of people dropping out of college and starting a business and that is their entirety. Um, But I don't think that needs to be true, right? You can just like kind of slowly, calmly pursue things on the side that interest you. And then if it's appropriate, they can grow into businesses, but you don't need to go all in on one thing or another. Um, And that's certainly been the approach that I've taken. And I've done that for probably five years or so but working full-time while pursuing things on the side. Um, and I think another thing that we talk about on our podcast is this idea of narratives where um, for a long time, uh, we've done things like the 40-hour work week. And I think a, for a long time, people didn't have multi-dimensional jobs because they couldn't, meaning like you go into work for eight to 10 hours of the day. And then by the time you get home and commute and all that, you don't really have the bandwidth to do more than one thing. But if you can work flexibly and you have control over your schedule and everything is digital, I think that actually allows you to weave more things in uh, to your to your day and, and your priorities. So I think that's also a change and something that we're going to see a lot more of purely because people can. Yeah. And, and do you, and Kyle, do you think it's, is the next step on this idea is like talking to the team or talking to you or just taking the smallest next step to, you know, record an episode if you wanted to be a podcaster and um, yeah, maybe like, 
you know, going back to the narratives of like, I think another one's like, oh, I'm afraid my boss or my team's going to find out that I'm like, you know, you know, doing this weekend project uh, that like does make some money, um, but like may seem, you know, like I'm not entirely focused on my job because I'm, you know, creating a landing page and running a small little thing on the side on the weekend. Uh, what, what would you say is like kind of the smallest next step, Cal? Yeah, so it definitely depends on what industry you're in. When I was a banker, they certainly were not amenable to me doing anything on the side. And, you know, I was working like 120 hours a week. So not sure that I could have in that case. But in tech, uh, I think there's often more flexibility. And what I say, and what I'll say, like practically speaking, I think where a lot of people go wrong in trying to do things outside of what they do now is they get this idea in their head that they need to, as Steph mentioned, like go all in. And so they need to go quit their job. And the reality is they often haven't even tested the idea in any capacity that they want to do. So do you really want to be a podcaster? Like, do you really want to write a blog? Well, as you mentioned, like go write a blog post every week, just once a week for four weeks before you quit your job. See if you even like writing. I think a lot of people kind of just, they get these ideas in their head and and they don't go test them out. And the same is true for your career. You say, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. And I've honestly talked to people who have those desires who have never talked to an actual lawyer or a doctor. So my, you know, encouragement in any domain, whether it's a side project or the career you want to go into, like go talk to people who are doing that, go reach out to like four or five people on LinkedIn who are doing this thing. And you'll get a really good sense of like what's good or bad about that profession and then go test it out in the wild in a pretty small way. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of testing, another thing to test is a job, uh, and maybe, you know, not sticking to it that long. And I think another uh, kind of narrative is like, I don't want things to look bad on my resume, so to speak, uh, if resumes are still being used. I mean, they are, but like, yeah, I think that's, that's starting to change uh, more. How maybe talk to us a little bit about potentially or some examples of like how you may have not have stayed into a job or working with a client as long as, you know, other people may have, or maybe people stick it out or how you've thought about like, testing and iterating and even on jobs. Cool. So I'd say I've probably had five plus jobs in the last six years or so. And that may seem like that may seem like I'm hopping around from job to job or something. But I guess philosophically, I just deeply believe that, you know, your time on this planet is pretty short and you don't know when it's going to end. And so, you know, a job has its own purpose in your life and you can define that. But if you're really unhappy at some place for some reason, I would first start and say, Am I having a bad week? If you're having a bad week, okay, get through that week. But then if you're having a bad month or a bad two months, uh, maybe try to make a change. Like, can I get uh, over to a new part of the company? Can I talk to my manager about what I need out of this job? Maybe I need more flexibility. Maybe I want more leadership skills, like really define what you need. And then if you've worked on kind of changing your role within that company for six months, it's probably time to go change. Like maybe you can't actually get to that next rung of the ladder that you want to get to or to get that next level of growth in the area that you want in your life. And so I would recommend like make a change in some way that makes sense for you. I'll give you a quick example. My last job, I'd say in terms of like, I think a job gives you many things. There's like money, prestige, there's meaning, there's skills, uh, there's freedom. My last job gave me like pretty good uh, money and also prestige. And I'd say the skills were decent, uh, but I actually wanted more freedom to go focus on something that I haven't done before, like write a book. And I wanted to reshape my health habits so that I can stay in the game for the long term as I, you know, approach the next decade of my life and such. And so I just needed more time and space. And so I deprioritize money and prestige. And I think from what I've seen, 
many people, once they get those things, like especially the money and prestige, they think that taking some time off is not going to allow them to continue climbing. And I think actually taking the break is exactly what you need um, oftentimes. And so I'm very happy to do that because I think you can always climb back on uh, those other boats. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because like, I think it was last week, uh, one of my like good friends from growing up, I was telling him about like kind of what I was up to and his, his initial reaction was like, man, how many reinventions have you had? And my, my knee jerk reaction to that was like, no, 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 but I'm consistent in these other things. Like I've been doing the weekly podcast for three years, you know, and like some of it was out of like, you know, circumstance, like obviously we've been through a lot of the last 18 months. And my initial reaction was like, oh, like, no, no, no. Like I've, I've been really consistent. Like uh, I'm not like hopping around. Um, and then he was like, no, but actually it's really cool. Like, I want to give kudos to you, like how you've been able to, you know, adapt and, and, and from, from his perspective, work on interesting things and while still do some other stuff. And he's like, I think that's like kind of the ethos of your podcast too. Like, this is like, David, this is good. But like going back to your point earlier, stuff around like the stories and these narratives, like we can even have this, like to ourselves, this like reaction of like, no, 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 no. Like, but um, I thought it was just like, how certain friends can see certain things um, is, is really um, interesting in this whole game as well. Yeah. I think one of the things that drives our decisions the most is this sense of identity. And I think of identity as almost like the mental equivalent of inertia. Um, so we think of inertia, like when we learn in physics class that like something in motion continues in motion, less like a force is acted upon it. And so everything in our lives is like moving in different directions. And the longer it's been moving in that direction, the more cemented it feels and the more it takes so much more energy to, to reverse that. It's almost like we've talked about ladders, like walking up a ladder and then having to reverse that. There's an element of identity there where depending on the rung of the ladder that you're at, you literally like feel like you're supposed to be there and it's part of you. And it takes so much energy to be like, wait, 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 like, is this really the best thing for me? And I think we talked, or you mentioned before this idea of experimentation, that's so important because if you don't experiment, then you end up, I think, feeling more cemented than at least if you take some time at the beginning to be like, let me test this out and let me test this out and let me do that with that intention of not really, really jumping straight into th anything. I think the last thing I'll, I'll mention on this topic is, is there's a book that I very often reference called Algorithms to Live By, which is about how you can use computer science to or computer science principles to rethink your life or, or at least use those principles to understand how something could be more optimal. And one of the principles there is this idea of exploring and exploiting. I think in life, you're always trying to balance this idea of like, should I go try something new or should I appreciate what I have? And this concept, if applied to with computer science, brings you to a number, which is 37%, which truly means if you wanted to be completely optimal about how you are pursuing things in life, whether it's like, should I go to a new restaurant or, or an old restaurant, or should I, you know, stay in my job or pursue a new one? Um, technically what you're supposed to do, again, this is technical, not everyone should actually operate this way is to, for your time period that you, you want to be doing that thing. So let's say it's your career. You wanted to pursue something from 21 to 65, let's say that's 44 years. You apply 37% to that 44 years. And in that period, you're just supposed to explore. You're just supposed to go try a bunch of different things with no intention of settling down. And then after that, the next thing that you encounter that is just as good 
or better than what you encountered during that explore phase, you should exploit and you should double down there. And the reason I'm mentioning this is not because I expect people to operate like computers, right? We're, we're not robots. But if you think about that, 37% is a pretty long period of time where most people jump into a job and they end up doing that job for the rest of their life. When instead, if you were to actually take this principle, they should be exploring for at least a decade of their life. Hmm. And this also, I think you guys talked about this on another podcast, this applies to dating too, right? It's not just, it's not just jobs, but it's, it's all these major yeah. things. You cer- you certainly could apply it to dating as well. I think practically speaking, one, just to build on what Steph's saying, the way that I think about this is it's both better and easier to explore when you have uh, the ability to do so. So, you know, maybe before you have a family or before you have like a massive house that has a lot of rent payments and such, but before you start accumulating some of the responsibilities of life, it's much easier to go change jobs a bunch of times. I'm kind of cognizant that, you know, once I have kids, which I don't right now, or when I have more financial responsibilities that I can't kind of change overnight, I'm not going to be able to be as selfish in terms of how I've been in in moving careers and exploring my interests and really prioritizing meaning. And so I think it's really good to do that early on, especially if you feel yourself getting anchored to a path where you're like, meh. Yeah. Love that. Um, and also just to maybe, um, another example of this is like Steph with your book last year, that was like a tweet. Yeah. That's what it started as Yeah, like an open discussion. Right. So that's, uh, um, and I want to hear a little bit more from me, but like, that's an, a way that it can start these like small ideas or the small next step. It's like, Hey, should I do this? Would people be interested in it? Steph, you want to tell us a little bit more about that story of like how, um, that can be a way to, yeah, explore new ideas. And yeah, I think one of the keys to exploration is putting yourself out there. Right. And so that's what happened with this book is I had thought about writing a book around content or actually I should say it wasn't even meant to be a book. It was meant to be some sort of like very, very long blog post. And then I was like, you know what, I'll sell this for 10 bucks. Would people buy this for 10 bucks? And that was literally the tweet. Like, Hey, I'm thinking of creating this would people spend $10 on this? And a lot of people said yes. And some people said, hey, I'd actually spend more, which is why I played around with pricing. But the idea is that I put it out there and let the market decide and say, is this actually something that I want or or I don't want? And in this case, people wanted it, but I've done many things where I've kind of put it out there and seen that people don't actually care about this thing or it's not actually uh, a problem that they want solved. So I think it's important for people to put things out there and related to jobs, it's important to like, as we talked about before, see what you could potentially do, right? I think a lot of people get pigeonholed in like whatever they're creating currently or whatever job they're in. And it sounds crazy, but they literally don't know what the future could hold if they just like, you know, dipped their toe in 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 the waters or tweeted something or just saw if there was interest. Because in the case of the book, like when there is interest, like you literally get pulled into this. I didn't expect it to be a book. Um, and I think the same thing can happen where, you know, maybe you just start volunteering somewhere, or maybe you just like work with a friend on a side project and you get pulled into things and you're like, Oh my God, like I never thought this would happen to me, but you, you can't get there if you don't, you know, kind of dip your toes around it or see what, what you can possibly start. One thing that was pretty fascinating about watching Steph write this book is she wrote it and then she launched it. And I was like, Hey, what would you be happy with in terms of sales? And what'd you say, Steph? I said a thousand bucks at the time. So on the day where we were pre-selling it for 10 bucks, um, the price was increasing, but I was like, look, if a hundred people bought this for 10 bucks, I would be stoked. And it would be worth my time to go create this and put it in th- into the world. And obviously now it's been a lot bigger than that, but yes, I, I do remember uh, you asking that. 
And I think that's just a really good example. It's like a hundred X that amount. And you're probably, you know, baselining more on the, what exists today. And you go back and look at the story and it's like, oh, clear that people wanted a content book and, you know, my authority on it made sense and stuff. But at the time it was not clear at all that it would be so successful. And this reminds me of like something that I've always taken to heart uh, that Steve Jobs talked about, but you really can't connect the dots moving forward. And I've seen that true in my life as well. Like maybe you have a death in the family or you develop this new interest that you didn't know. And it's by going out and taking these like small experiments, like go, you know, join a Toastmasters group or whatever, like go follow your interests. And you really don't know what road those will lead you towards. And I think that's kind of the transition from college. You think, oh, I'm going to go to this place and then I'm going to go to this place. In my head, I don't even know what I'm going to do a year from now. I'm just confident that I'm mostly going to try to move in a direction that roughly feels correct uh, to me at that time. And then no idea where that's going to take me 10 years from now. And if you think about companies, some of the biggest companies we know today got there through testing many things. Of course, there's there's other reasons that they were successful, but one of the reasons that digital companies today are so much more successful than physical companies in most cases is because of their ability to test things and test them quickly. And so if you can understand the importance and the power in testing within a company, why wouldn't you do that in your own life, right? Like why wouldn't you go and experiment in a bunch of different ways, because it's kind of crazy to think that whatever you landed on in the first place would be the best thing for you, like when you're 18 and you don't really know that much about the world or about yourself. And so I I think it's kind of crazy almost that people don't test more in their own lives. Well, we're we're kind of testing a a different podcast format here. Uh, I think I've done maybe five or six kind of these these ones. Um, I like it. Uh, We'll we'll see. who sees? I mean, and that's, that's a good example. Like when I started the podcast, there's no way I was like committing to 186 episodes. Like it's, I like the initial, like kind of sales email about the podcast was like at the end of the program, uh, you'll finish with 30 episodes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do 30. And I like sprinted. And, and then I just kind of like kept going. And I think goes back to like the identity and the story. Like I think that I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this. It doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with it. Like everything, everything is going pretty well. I think it's, it's helping me in a couple of different ways. I'm learning all these different things that I didn't anticipate. Like a lot of the things that I've learned over time have just been again, like through slow exposure and be like, oh, let me add on a little bit to this, or let me try this and let me try that. And, uh, so that's been really cool, but like, I had no idea that that was possible when I got started. And then obviously didn't say when I started, okay, I'm going to do this consistently for over three years and said that day one, like that would have been impossible or like a big commitment that I probably uh, wouldn't have signed up for. And now I'm just like, oh, let me see if I can do another episode next week and just kind of keep going. And you know, what's kind of fascinating is, you know, five years from now, you may not be doing this podcast, like maybe whatever it's in whatever ways it's served you so far, your priorities have changed. And then you're just going to have to, as you talked about, like reinvent yourself again, like you let go that piece of your identity, which sometimes I think is hard, uh, both internally, but then externally as well. Like, oh, you're David, the portfolio career podcast guy. No, actually I'm David, the uh, baker. I went to Italy and I was really Mm -hmm. inspired to cook. And now I have a bakery. Uh, point being that I think you can reinvent yourself in like pretty dramatic ways over time if you're just open to that and kind of follow your interests along the way. Yeah. And I think, uh, I guess one, one uh, tactical follow-up on that is probably like, I think that I'm glad 
that the podcast is not like the David Nabinsky show. Uh, I think like then that's truly an identity thing. And then it's probably even harder to, to step away. And there's some other like probably more like nuanced podcast related things, but just this idea of like creating projects that are separate from your own name has probably a bunch of different benefits to it from that kind of identity and the ability to then either like sell it to somebody else or transfer it to somebody else or um, yeah. What, what do y'all, how do y'all think about that stuff? It's, it's tough because I mean, I actually have built a brand around my name. Um, but I think it can be difficult when you center that brand around something really, really specific. So you, you see some people who are like, I'm the writing guy, or I'm the like uh, marketing girl or whatever it is. And I think that's when it can become really pigeon holy um, when you're like, okay, Steph Smith equals this. And then you feel like you can't separate from that, even though it's like, that's just my name. That can mean anything. Right. And it's also interesting when you start building a brand, people naturally start to associate you with things the same way that like you can call yourself the marketing girl, but other people like will do that for you as well. And so I think it's important to remember that if you do create any sort of personal brand, that brand is just almost like an umbrella company and you have to, the same way that we're encouraging people to test in their careers, I think it's important to test it within your personal brand and make sure that you don't get pigeonholed into one thing. Um, I actually heard Tim Ferriss talk about this the other day on a podcast, and he was talking about how he did the four-hour series, right? So four-hour work week and then body and and um, and then after time, he realized that like people were just thinking about him as the four hour guy. Right. And that's when he actually chose to step away from that branding because he was like, look, like, even though this is something I created and I'm proud of it, I don't just want to be the four hour guy. I don't want that to be my identity. And so that's why he, he almost like went back into the, just like Tim Ferriss umbrella, uh, which to him meant much more than just like the four hour X. So I think it is important if you are going to go the personal brand approach that, you allow it to like evolve over time and you're not locked into whatever that started as or what other people might be labeling you as. I also have a uh, brand kind of under my personal name and I, I call it Life Reimagined as well to try to separate it. But I think looking back, knowing what I know now, I probably would have separated it completely from my name uh, for many reasons. Like I don't particularly want to be famous. I don't know that I want people to know my name in, in different ways. And that will probably be even more true over time. And I think, as you mentioned, like it does give you that ability to separate from the work. And then there's practical things like it might be easier to sell it down the road. That said, like people do like to uh, connect with people and faces. And so there's benefits to a personal brand as well. But then you're kind of always locked into it. And it's a representation of, of who you are. And of course, no one gets the full depth of your character. They just take a few lines from the story that you've put out there and associate you with that, which you know, I think over time can be harmful if, if you've changed in pretty profound ways or gotten stuck to something that you feel like doesn't represent you. Got it. Um, so on this, um, as we're kind of talking about things are like evolving, uh, the importance of iterating, is there certain things that you all are trying to be very consistent about, uh, whether that's skills or rituals or routines or anything else that like you think is something that like that, yeah, that you're like, no matter what, I'm going to be doing this for a long time. So I want to like prioritize this, et cetera. Anything else that like jumps out that, you know, is, is, I don't want to say unique, but is like, it's just something that you're really prioritizing these days because you're hopeful of, of, of the benefits it has today and over the long term. Cal is a much more consistent person than I am. So I'm going to toss it to him for this one. 
Ooh, I don't think of myself as too consistent, but I think a few things that are through lines for me, I have a newsletter that I've written for over four years and that's, you know, something that I try to stick to even if I don't necessarily want to do it. And it's partially because I want to continue writing over time. And this is a forcing function for me to do that on a regular cadence, even if life seems to get in the way, like I will always do that. And I think that's been valuable for me. And then there's other things like there's other areas where I'm really focusing on right now, which is how can I be sort of happy and healthy over time? And happy for me means I'm roughly aligned with kind of my purpose at that time. And it doesn't mean like all of my work is super fulfilling or super exciting, but I don't want to end up for six to 12 month periods where I'm like deeply unhappy with what I'm doing. And so that means like micro course correcting. So I'd say there's like a through line of checking in with myself regularly, whether that's through journaling or meditation or the books I read. And just making sure that like things are going in the direction I, I want them to go. And then there's other habits uh, for me that are super important, like reading. I'm a, I probably read at least a book a week and that kind of helps ideas uh, churn in my brain and, and keeps me roughly grounded as well. Yeah. I have way fewer habits than Cal in terms of like sticking to them. In fact, if you look at my journey, I like was writing for a long time on my blog and then I haven't written an article for quite some time and now I'm doing a podcast and then wrote a book. And so it is kind of all over the place, but I guess the common through line is I want to like always be creating and um, I don't want to spend a year looking back and, and being like, what did I make? Did I actually like add in anything to the world? And so the output of those creations is always different, um, but I want to make sure that I'm constantly adding something <laughs> to the world. And in addition to that, I, I know this is like a classic thing to say, but always learning. So I similarly never want to look back at a year and be like, did I learn anything? Like I worked and I created something, but like, am I any closer to being able to create something amazing? Um, and so I'll pretty consistently take like courses over time, taught myself to code a couple of years ago. And actually that's an area where, that I haven't focused on as much recently. And I'm unhappy about that because I feel like over time, like if, if you're one of these people who like tweets a lot and, you know, goes on podcasts and, and does all the marketing side of things, um, but you don't actually focus on like sharpening your, your toolbox or your skills, then I think that's when like your output starts to really degrade. And so that's another thing that I'm, I think I'm maybe not always consistent about, but I want to be consistent about in, in terms of always like sharpening that toolkit. Yeah. Um, this reminds me about, uh, your, your recent tweet around, kind of anti-fragility in terms of like skills acquisition and sharpening and saw that way. I feel like that could be a whole another episode of just talking about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, I was just going to say, I think that ultimately, even though it's not like a sexy answer, when people say like, how do you really create an anti-fragile career? It's like having really badass skills that anyone would hire you for, or even if no one would hire you for that, you can go create things on your own. And that's kind of, I've learned that over time because now probably, you know, five to how old am I five to seven years into the workforce, however long it's been. I now feel so much more confident and free in my career, even though I work a full-time job because of something that I, I think I've built. I mean, there's probably other people who have much more impressive skills than I, but I finally feel like I have a skill set where again, if even if no one wanted to hire me, I could go and create money on my own. Or even if I don't want to create things, I, I do think I have sellable skills that, that people would be jumping to hire me for. And I have that confidence that I really candidly would say I didn't have, you know, let's say five years ago. And so if people want to similarly like feel this freedom um, where they can do basically whatever they want, I think the precursor to that is just having really 
kick-ass skills um, that allow you to create things or allow you to be hired. I think on the idea of an anti-fragile skill set, you can stumble into it in a few different ways, but I would say there's like a couple of starting places. The first, from my perspective, is you have to learn how to think independently, and then you also have to learn how to learn. Like if you can go pick up new skills, which is I think a meta skill that I've been you know trying to do over time, you can then go start over in some new domain and become proficient in it and see if you like it. And then along the way, like see if you can make money doing it. And I think that's just like the ultimate skill. And then from my perspective, like pay attention to trends, you know, for example, how many people are talking about cryptocurrency or web three right now? A lot of people will say like, oh, that's just some speculative bubble or they'll go like throw their money into some coins. Well, go look under the hood. Like, why are so many smart people like leaving their jobs to go do something in this space? It may not be something that interests you at all, but go learn like what's actually happening and how people are spending their time. Like go talk to them and like move past the noise of, is this a bubble or can I make money doing this or something like that? Because there's a lot of energy going into that space. And from my perspective, like if you can go learn about it, you can say, okay, am I interested in this? Uh, This seems like kind of a new paradigm shift. And then if not, that's cool. Like, can I find new things in, in the domains that I'm in right now? But it's that learning that allows you to see the opportunities that evolve over time. And that, that's kind of how I think about that as well as I'm spending at least a piece of my time in the web three space, not because I'm so like infatuated by it or because I want to get rich off of it, but because I think there could be really interesting opportunities. And I don't want to end up some, end up like some boomer who just missed something because I was kind of closed minded. Yeah. I, I love this idea also around, like, it also reminds me of like, how like where attention and momentum is going like no matter what it's good for you to be there and if you start to ride you know the wave um right like if podcasting technology wasn't around you know when i started the podcast i wouldn't have been able to start a podcast um and then also conversely like even if you're not the expert in the space like there's probably some there's going to be somebody you're going to be able to teach as well so like that's uh there's there's a ton of value to that even if you're not like the leader in the space if you know more than other people or, or, you know, sharing your learnings along the way, like that's valuable to other people, no matter what. Cool. Um, well, as we're about to wrap up here, any, any closing thoughts on, on these topics, any other, I know in your guys' podcast, you love doing like down at the fire round at the end. Um, and a- anything kind of jump out that you think that, uh, we should chat about. I think one of the most important things that people can kind of take to heart is, if you're feeling unsatisfied in your job or your life or in any way, like don't just wait around for that to change itself. Like take action, which sounds kind of trite and obvious, but be willing to take the plunge. I've kind of quit jobs rather haphazardly and I do it in a pleasant way. And I think everyone would, would say I did it in uh, a good way, at least at that company, but I've done it when I wake up and I say like, am I excited to go to work uh, anymore? And if the answer is no on too many days in a row, I'm just like, why would I, why would I be here? And it's just so clear to me that you should go take the, the plunge. I call it like just kind of jumping off the cliff and seeing where it takes you because often it takes you to a slightly better place. And like slowly over time, you iterate yourself to, you iterate to a better version of yourself. And I think too many people kind of get caught in that fear and they overthink it. They try to plan the next step. They try to, you know, jump to the next ladder, the next branch of the tree and know exactly what that is. And at least from my experience, you rarely can know what that is and whether or not you'll like it. So just go do it and see how it goes. And then you can always change course along the way. I think one of the things that Cal has kind of clued into really, really well that other people 
um, struggle to do is just being okay with sunk costs. And we we're familiar with sunk costs when it comes to like a car or like physical items, but sunk costs, um, in, in our time are like the most important ones and most bad decisions I find as, at least as it relates to careers comes from this idea of sunk costs where like you, you feel like you've spent like three years in a degree. So like, why not do the fourth? And there's always reasoning behind like completing something or just like writing something out because it's going to have some value. And so I'm not prescribing that people go and like quit their degrees right now. But I think one of the things that I realized early on was just like how important time was. And I think Cal has done the same where I remember being in my first job, it was like a more traditional office job. And I ended up spending 10 months there. And I know someone else, for example, who kind of disliked it just as much as I did for similar reasons. And he ended up spending three years there. And some people might say, well, three years is not that much. You're young, whatever. But like three years of time, like that is a significant chunk of your life. And I would say the same thing for one year of your life. Like I I often see people kind of throwing around a year as if it's nothing. And, you know, the average person, you know, living where we live, it lives to be 80 years. You only have 80 of those. We've already lived through many of those, you know, in our younger years. And so you don't have that many years. And so to like toss them around frivolously and be like, oh, it's only a year here. I only have a year more to get this degree that I don't really need and will never use. I would just encourage people to not kind of, I I guess I would encourage people to view their time as what it is, the most valuable asset that they have and to not throw it away just to check boxes and just to like avoid sunk costs. So yeah, I guess that's my little addition to what Cal said. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, Cal, Steph, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, please let listeners know what would be the best way for them to spend more time learning from you all. Uh, if there's a you know podcast or connect online, any, anything like that, please let people know. So we do have a podcast. If you like listening to us talk, which is called the shit you don't learn in school podcast, you can find it most easily at listenandlearn.co. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter. I think that's where I'm most active. Steph Smith IO because my site is stephsmith.io and Cal. You can find me on Twitter at Calvin underscore Rosser. And then I also have a site calvinrosser.com where I do lots of writing and publish all kinds of other work as well. And that's probably a good place to tag along. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks. Cheers. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.